Lord, the words we just sang are so incredible. Your mercy, your steadfast love, your hesed, your great love for us is unconditional, it's free, it's never-ending, and we thank you for it. And I pray that your Spirit would wash over us in these moments to help us to know how to better walk as Jesus has taught us to walk. We open our hearts to your Spirit. Speak, Lord. Continue to speak. Amen. Well, Joyce and I just have returned from a colloquium, a visit to Florida with some other pastors where we teach each other and talk one with another. And uh, we had a great time there. Really good weather. Uh, Probably the highlight... Well, let me not put it that way. One of the great experiences there was on our last night together, Wednesday night, we gathered in a room, uh, and there were maybe 30 pastors in the room with spouses, and we gathered there and had a good meal at the hotel, but the, the best part of it was Dr. James Forbes preached, and I got to sit at the table with him for dinner, and uh, then he stood up and spoke. Now, many of you wouldn't know who he is, but he's the retired pastor of the Riverside Church in New York City. And by anybody's estimate, he's one of the best preachers in America. He is amazing. And so as I stand up here today, I feel very blessed to have heard Dr. Forbes and uh, just an astonishingly amazing uh, man of God and preacher. But it's kind of humbling because I was thinking about him all week as I thought, wow, you know, Lord, why? You know, why? Just uh, we had a delight. So anyhow, it's just me today. And uh, I, in a moment, will try to bring you the word of the Lord. Thanks so much for uh, Pastor Eddie's leadership and Jennifer's leadership last week in communion and bringing the word of the Lord to you. And as I came back and I was uh, reminded again, uh, it's been a week I've been away, uh, how good the projector's working. Our new projector is so easy to see. And uh, I hope that you now and then write on your communication cards an appreciation to a staff or uh, the praise team or somebody like that. But you don't know, but I want to highlight this. Sherry is up there running our PowerPoint, but she actually puts those slides together. That's part of her ministry here every week, and we email stuff to her, and on Friday or Saturday she puts these slides together, and uh, we really appreciate her ministry in that way so that we can sing and have the slides and so forth. So thanks, Sherry, for a great job. And yeah, <laughs> Amen. Joyce and I had only been married about two years fresh into marriage, a new baby, and I was sleeping on the couch. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? As I look back, I can't remember what the issue actually was. It's always that way. But uh, sometime that evening, we had gotten into an argument, and she thought I called her a name, and I said, honey, I would never say that, and we argued about that for a long time, and uh, like I said, I slept on the couch. Well, fresh into a marriage, still somewhat in the honeymoon stage, I suppose, there was a disconnection, a difficult disconnection. And our theme for this year has been Connect 360, and we've been talking about how do we connect with God, How do we connect with the church? How do we connect with our community? And next Sunday, Lord willing, I'm going to talk, how do you connect with yourself? What does it mean when we love our neighbor as ourself? So pray as we go forward to next week. But we've been talking about connections, and it feels good. I've really enjoyed the theme, and it's fun to talk about that. But the truth be told, connections are difficult, aren't they? 
And in human connection, sooner or later, there's going to be a disconnect. And this morning, I want to come to Matthew chapter 18 and talk a little bit about uh, what do we do in our world when there is a disconnect? What about the disconnections, and how do we reconnect in this disconnected world? So that's where we're going to go this morning, and if you were to open Scripture to page 1, you wouldn't go very deep into the Bible. The Genesis is the book of beginnings, and one could say it's about the beginning of disconnection. Because there in the second or third page, you read the story of how amazingly the first human couple, Adam and Eve, were connected to God. It was Eden, heaven on earth. And they talked with God every day. It was just an amazing, really an indescribable relationship. We don't know all that that means for them to have been so connected to God. And you know the story, don't you? That pretty soon they did the one thing God said not to do, and a disconnect came. God couldn't find them. You go a few more pages, and there are two brothers, and they are disconnected in their relationship, and one murders the other. You continue to read, and you read about parents who favor one child over another child. You read about brothers who sell their other brother into slavery. You read about couples that can't get along, nations that can't get along, all manner of disconnections. You come into the New Testament, you think of the heroes of the New Testament. Who in the New Testament, outside of Jesus, is better than Paul? And yet, his best friend, his preaching buddy, they had a disconnect when he fell out with Barnabas. And so what we're talking about today is very real in Scripture, and if you'll be honest, it's very real in your life. And the first thing that I want to encourage you to do, there is a handout in your worship folder, I'll encourage you to have that. And the first thing I'd like for you to think about with me is to determine the disconnects in your life. We all have relationships, and I think we all have disconnected relationships. That is to say that not every relationship in your life is as good as it could be or should be, as God counts goodness. Now, it may be that you're in, you can immediately think, you know, oh, this is a big disconnect in my life. Maybe you're sleeping on the couch. That's a disconnect, by the way, if you're married and one of you is on the couch and one's in the bed. But it may not be that dramatic, or it may be that somebody's not speaking to somebody in your family or at work, that would be a disconnect. But it may not be that dramatic. It may just be a relationship that really is not as connected and full as it should be. So, I'd like for you to be thinking, and, you know, this is just for you to work on, but I'd like for you to actually write down maybe some names as the Spirit of God prompts you to think about, well, that's a disconnect in my life, or at least that's a connection that's not as good as it could be. And that connection could go forward with God's help. So I'd like you to be thinking about those. Um, In Matthew chapter 20, there are these words. It says, when the ten, speaking of the ten disciples, heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Now, I simply raise this up. We're not going to study this passage, but I simply raise it as an example of a disconnect in the very group of the twelve. Jesus is teaching. He's in his ministry. Uh, James and John's mother comes and asks Jesus for a favor. The ten hear about it, and the Scripture says they were indignant. They're upset. And so Jesus has this group now. There's some disconnection even within the group. Now, this is not a sin issue so much. It's just a relationship problem. And there's a disconnect. 
In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, when you go to give your offering, and we'll take an offering after the sermon today, he says, when you go to give your offering, if you're angry or you have something against a sister or brother, what are you supposed to do? Leave the building, don't give your offering, and go settle it, and then come back and give your offering. So again, Jesus teaching on this issue of connection and disconnection. And I'm I'm trying to impress you that it's a big deal to God if we're disconnected in the human family. If you're disconnected with somebody, God cares about that. And he says, if you're angry with somebody, you need to go settle that. Now, the scripture I want to settle into is in in Matthew chapter 18. And we'll be looking at verses 15 and following. Jesus is talking about a specific issue there, and we'll come to that. But it's good to kind of check out the atmosphere before we get look at these verses. And the atmosphere of chapter 18... Um, we were in Florida this week. The atmosphere was great. The temperature was in the 70s. There was clear skies, um, nice moon at night, stars in the sky. Uh, it was very, very nice. Cool breeze occasionally. It was beautiful. That was the atmosphere. When we come to uh, Matthew chapter 18, I want to read to you some words I've pulled out of the chapter that help set the tone or the atmosphere for what Jesus is saying. And these are important words if you're going to be in the business of reconnecting in a disconnected situation. Listen, verse 3. Unless you change, whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. See that you do not look down on. Verse 10. God is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost, verse 14. Shouldn't you have had mercy just as I had mercy on you, verse 33. And then the last verse in the chapter, forgive from your heart. Now, I've put those in bold in the handout because they really are words that if you want to reconnect in a relationship, you're going to have to have these words as a part of your heart, a part of what you're doing. They're they're critically important if you want to rebuild a broken relationship. Let me give them to you again. The question really is, are you willing to reconnect with someone if you have to change? If you have to change, are you willing to reconnect? Are you willing to reconnect with someone if you have to humble yourself? Are you willing to reconnect with someone if you cannot look down on them? Are you willing to reconnect with someone if you have to seek them out and forgive them from your heart? While we were away, I read the book Amish Grace. And it's about what the Amish did in the school shooting at Nickel Mines two years ago. And I almost wanted to change my sermon topic and just preach on forgiveness. What an amazing story. Mm. That's a part of this too, isn't it? So that's the atmosphere. Now let's look at what Jesus is actually talking about in verse 18. The first thing you're going to need to do if you're going to reconnect is to determine who you're disconnected with. And the second step is to have the courage to reconnect. Jesus says... You need to have the courage to reconnect. Jesus says this in verse 15 of Matthew 18. If a brother or sister sins, go and point out the fault just between the two of you. Now, in this particular situation, Jesus is talking about sin. But I want to expand our conversation today because you may be in some disconnected situations where it's not actually a sin problem, or maybe it is. 
But these, these words of Jesus are helpful to us even if you're not dealing with a sin issue. So let's expand it because Scripture talks a lot about other situations and how we connect. And the first thing we're going to have to do if we're going to reconnect is have the courage to do it. Now, I've written down some things there to, uh, to help us out. Let's look at them. Have the courage to reconnect. Why do we hesitate to have difficult conversations? Why do we hesitate to reach out? Well, one reason is we do not know how to be successful. Sometimes you realize, uh, you know, I'd like to make this move, but I'm not sure what to do. I'm hoping that the message today and the Spirit of God will help you know how to be successful in reconnecting. Secondly, uh, some of us have learned to use the silent treatment. Anybody here want to raise their hand and say, I have no idea, Steve, what you're talking about? Well, somebody raise their hand, because I'm going to tell you anyhow. Thank you. Um, sometimes we don't reconnect because we, we like the silent treatment. I have to raise my hand and say I'm guilty. I've, I know how to do this. Uh, it's rare if I was in an argument with you, if I got angry with you, I probably wouldn't get real loud. In fact, I don't get angry very easily. And if I did, I wouldn't blow up. You know, some people blow up. That's really not my personality. You know what? If we, if we have a big turmoil, you know what I'm probably going to do? What are we talking about here, folks? The silent treatment. A turtle is a good example here. You ever go up to a turtle? We were kids in the Ozarks. We used to have these box turtles running around, and, you know, you could pick them up. They're about this big. Nice. You could paint the little squares on the box. A lot of fun. Used to do that in Bible camp. Um, but what does the turtle do? They go inside. And many of us have learned how to go inside. You know, I can live here. I'm fine. We just close up, and I'm good. I don't need all this nonsense. I don't, and I especially don't need to reconnect with you. Right? And so some of us don't have the courage to reach out. Maybe we don't know how, or maybe we've learned to do the silent treatment. And I have to confess, that's one that I would struggle with. Now, what else? Have the courage to reconnect. Some of us just realize avoidance is easier. It's just easier not to do this. And this morning, I hope the Spirit of God is pushing you to realize disconnects in your life that have to be mended if you're going to be the true follower of Jesus. Because Jesus did say that we are to be connected. We are to be with people. We are to be pursuing justice and peace and righteousness. We're to be connected with the human family. Make no doubt about it. That's what the incarnation of Jesus is all about. So, I, I hope this is helpful. Now, there's one other comment I have to make here, um, and I was struggling to know how to best illustrate this, but when you are in a situation and the connection becomes broken, it seems to me there are basically three options. What can you do when you're in a, a difficult relationship with somebody? What are some of the options? Well, you can ignore it, can't you? That's the avoidance. Just ignore it. Or you can get over it, and move on, or you can reconnect, you can reach out. Now, sometimes getting over it is pretty important. There are little things that happen in our life. Sometimes we make them a big deal, and that's where counselors become so helpful or a trusted friend, because you can say, you know, I, I'm, I'm really upset about this, and sometimes a friend will say, what's the big deal? Just grow up, get over it. And it's like, yeah, I think she's right. I just need to move on, drop it. For example, when you're driving down the freeway and somebody cuts you off, 
that's a good time to just get over it. I mean, what are, what are you going to do? Pull out a gun and shoot him? Blink your lights? Honk your horn? I mean, you know, how are you going to vent? Maybe you just need to grow up and get over it. People aren't going to drive according to you. It's a big world out there. True? Now, to help each other out, here's what we need to do, because we, we missed this point. I'm going to move off this, but I would like for you to turn to your neighbor and say this, and then your neighbor's going to say it back to you. There's something you, you need to just get over. You got it? Just turn to your neighbor and say, there's something you need to just get over. Now, I see husbands and wives sitting here. Dwayne, get up and tell that to uh, Mike, and, you know, don't tell it to your husband and wife. Uh, turn to somebody else. There you go. Thank you. They're, they're modeling this for you. Don't say it to your wife or your husband. They're going to hear it best from, a, some, from their neighbor. Thank you. So, is it true? I mean, some stuff we just need to get over. Mature. So, that's, have the courage to reconnect. Uh, in the last line I've got here, do not become a, a hostage to hostility. Hmm. Don't become a hostage to hostility. Learn how you can move on and reconnect. Now, what else is helpful from Jesus' teaching in Matthew 18? Well, consider the goal. Consider the goal. When Jesus is teaching here, he says, if your brother sins against you, you need to go to your brother or sister and you need to seek reconciliation. You need to work that out. Now, then he said, if that doesn't work, uh, then what do you need to do? What, or he says, what is the goal? That's where we are. I'm getting ahead of myself. He said the goal is, and he gives the next verse here, is to win them over. Listen as I read this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, now not everything depends on you, true, but he says, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with, uh, I'm reading the wrong one, you, you have to win them over. Go to them to win them over. Now, I want to focus on, I, I mixed up two verses, you can read them on the screen, but Romans is another emphasis about reaching out. Um, I want to focus on the win over part. What is he talking about, win them over? He's not talking about win them over to your position. He's not talking about proving your point, okay? He's talking about a brother or sister who's caught up in some sinful behavior that's destroying them and the community of faith, and you're going to go to them and help them be forgiven of that sinful behavior to correct it and move forward in righteousness, in holiness, in in right conduct. That's what it means to win over. You're going to bring them back on the path to which they belong. This word is also used uh, in the New Testament where there is a a woman who's married, and she's a Christian woman, but she's married to a non-Christian, a man who's not a believer. And the question came up in the early church, well, if I'm married to a non-believer, maybe I should leave him. And Paul says, no, no, that's not the answer. Continue in your godly life, and maybe by your Christian character and conduct, you'll win him over, same word, to being a follower of Jesus. It's also used in James, where he talks about going out to reach out to someone and bring them back into the fold. And so our goal is to reach out and bring someone back to help them uh, become the follower of Jesus they need to be. Now, here are some courageous questions that are helpful when you're in a situation, you're seeking reconciliation, you're, you're seeking to reconnect. Ask yourself, and you may want to process this with someone, but at the very least, ask yourself, what happened? What's the issue here? What's the deal? What actually happened? Be as objective as you can be. Now, here, here are a couple things to avoid. You need to think about the they and the we language. Um, when we think about a problem with a person, we think they are the problem, right? 
What do they think? They think we are the problem. Remember that. Your perspective is just your perspective. They're going to have a little different perspective. So think as best you can what happened here. Secondly, ask yourself, what are my feelings? Good people can have bad feelings. And whatever feelings you have, that's just what you have. But be honest about it. Are you angry? Are you hurt? I mean, what are your feelings? Own up to them. Just be honest about what you're feeling. Thirdly, um, will I abandon blame? Blame. Mm-hmm. The blame game. Uh, if, if in this argument Joyce and I had... We are all of a sudden standing, this didn't, isn't the way it happened, but if we are all of a sudden standing in the middle of the living room and I'm shaking my finger at her and at the top of my voice telling her what's wrong with her, uh, what does that make her do? <laughs> That's not a good way to come at the issue, the blame game. To say, you always, you this, you that. Don't use the you language. In fact, uh, I read this quote and I thought it was uh, quite helpful. Blame is about judging and looking backwards. Blame is about judging and looking backwards. Well, what should we do in place of that? We should try to make a contribution, and a contribution is about understanding and looking forward. So substitute blame with contribution. What can I bring to the situation that's good and looks forward? How can we resolve this? What is the solution? And I think that will be helpful. And then the last uh, question is, how is my identity tied up in this? When you and I are in a difficult situation with someone, what about your identity? Have you been made to feel badly? Are you losing self-esteem? Are you, are you being shamed or embarrassed or put down? How is your identity tied up in this situation? I think if you look at these four questions, you will find them uh, quite helpful. So, what is the God-honoring outcome? What is the goal? Well, the goal is to seek to bring this person back. The goal in your relationship is to seek to restore it in an honorable way that honors God and, and Christ. Now, one other comment. Seek the good of the community. In this scripture, uh, Jesus says if, they, if you've gone to the person and you really can't seek reconciliation, you're going to have to get some help. And he gives us a three-step process here. Let's look at this scripture together. In fact, why don't we read this? It's, it's uh, from Matthew chapter 18. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So, in this reconciliation process, as Jesus has outlined it in Matthew 18, if you're saying, Steve, you know, there is someone in my life that God has put on my mind that I need to go to and speak to that person, what's the first step? What's step number one? You go to them alone. Uh Uh-huh. That's step number one. And And hopefully you can work it out at that level. If that doesn't work, what's step number two? You take a few witnesses with you. Take somebody along. And the goal, again, is not to beat the person up or gang them up. The goal is restoration. It's like a team of doctors that go in to work on your body so that you can be made whole. And then three, if that doesn't work, you're going to seek the faith community's help in reconnection. Now, 
If you use electrical appliances, uh, sooner or later you have this problem. It often happens with a computer. If your computer is not working, you're sitting there with your PC and it's not working, what's the first thing to check out? In fact, if you call the technician and they have any sense at all, they're going to say to you, your, your box on the TV is not working, your computer is not working. What are they going to say? Is it plugged in? If it's on a power strip, is the power strip turned on? Unplug it, replug it. Make sure you've got power there. Because if it's not connected to the power, it's just not going to work. And as we talk about connections today, I want to encourage you, we're talking about getting plugged back in, having the best possible connections, the best possible relationships. How do we get reconnected? Now, Joyce and I uh, worked through that. I think I spent one night on the couch, so uh, we got over that. But uh, this year, as we started the new year, I normally take some time away. I didn't uh, have the opportunity to do that the first week of January. So we were talking about, you know, what are some goals? And as we've talked throughout January about our own lives, we realized, you know, there's uh, our relationship could be better. And I asked some of the staff as we've met for prayer, I said, you know, pray for Joyce and me because we've set ourselves the challenge this year of having a better connection. Now, I'm sleeping in the bed with Joyce. I'm not on the couch. There's no big crisis. But I realize as a pastor, I work hard. I spend a lot of hours here, and and my life's kind of going like this. Joyce is working on her new real estate career and going like this. And, you know, you just don't find those times to connect, do you? We don't set it aside. It's not a priority. And I said, you know, we've got to do a better job of connecting with each other. And so that's something we're working on. It's been going very well. This morning, as you think about significant connections in your life, First of all, how's your connection with God? What's the connection with the Lord like? Every morning, every night, throughout the day, you've got to work on that connection. At the end of the day, if you realize, I've really failed the Lord today, then you need to cry out for His love and mercy, and it'll come just like the song we sang, God's amazing grace and love and mercy will be yours. We have to keep working moment by moment on that connection with God. And then with people. We also have to work diligently in those connections. I'd like for us to read a couple scriptures together, that, again, are from the Bible that point us to the importance of this idea of having good relationships, good connections. And then I want you to stand with me and read a prayer, and we'll receive the offering after that. So let's read this scripture from Ephesians. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And then this passage from Romans, uh, from James chapter 5. My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back. And would you stand with me and read this prayer from a former uh, General Secretary of the United Nations? Shall we read? And this is our prayer with eyes wide open. Hallowed be thy name, not mine. Thy kingdom come, not mine. Give us peace with thee, peace with men, peace with ourselves, and free us from all fear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.